Good morning. It is Monday, July 22nd, 7.30 a.m. Hope you all had a good week. It has been a very busy week over here. Uh, gotta let Lavinia out there. Um, oh, Lord, I guess I'm still a little, a little groggy. Um, been having trouble sleeping as usual. Um, not that I can't get to sleep, but that I get woken up a lot. <laughs> um, but well, such is life. Maybe I'll take a nap today. I haven't, I hardly ever get that luxury, but I think I'll make time for that today. So yeah, I went, I went and did tarot at Needles and Pens and it was a really good, very fruitful day. And then had dinner at Incorporate with Donnell. And we got the squid salad and the um, the little spinach leaf salad. And I got spicy duck, which is so good. It has so much lemongrass in it. It was, it was perfect. Um, yeah, I love that place. It, it was a good, good mix of people there. We had... We each had two glasses of white wine of Sauvignon Blanc, and um, yeah, it was nice to have a a good dinner. I, it's sometimes it's nice to just take a load off. Um, there was this. I wouldn't say she was a baby boomer. Maybe probably only fifty or so. So kind of you know not a baby boomer but on her way, um, and her family were sitting in our section where we were eating. And I guess towards when they were done eating, she went, went to the bathroom and she came out and she summoned the owner and said, and it's kind of like loud, performative voice. She was just like, how much is it for this? how much for this? She was trying to buy like a wall sconce that was in the bathroom. It was, it was so so gauche. I couldn't believe how gauche, like what? So if you guys haven't been to Incorporate, it's filled with, um, not uncomfortably so, but it has Cambodian artwork and, um, you know, items from the country and it's, it's decorated in like a homey, it's a very homey decor. And then you go to the back where the bathroom is and it has a couple flower arrangements and I think a poster, it's wood paneled. And then it has this, a couple sconces that are, it's basically, they're from the sixties or something and they're plastic and they look kind of like lace. They're cute. You know, they work in that bathroom. She kept on insisting on buying it to the owner and the owner said, I can't sell it to you. My friend gave this to me and she's, and she's just like, oh, well, I just really want it. It's so, it's just perfect for my house. It was obnoxious. And finally the owner relented and she's like, why don't you just take the item? Just take it. And then she's like, but no, I couldn't, I couldn't just take it from you for free. (gasps) No. 
And she's like, she was start, then started talking about underwriting a scholarship for the owner's daughter, which I thought was just, I, I didn't like how it was going. It, it seemed to make the owner very uncomfortable. And she's like something, a recommendation for her college in exchange for this beautiful sconce. And I was like, lady, can you fucking calm yourself? For real. For real. It was, it was ridiculous. She was like, she, I couldn't wait till they left. That was, that was weird. That was a weird situation. You don't normally go to places and they're trying to like, it's, it's just such entitlement, you know, it was kind of hilarious, but also really not. It'd be hilarious on Larry David or something or on an anti-mame, but not in real life. Um, but yeah, it was funny because I, I just couldn't believe that someone would, would try to start buying buying the, the decor off the bathroom walls at a, at a restaurant, at a, a mom and pop place. I was like, do you do that when you're at the Olive Garden, ma'am? You know, come on. And then, you know, I think it was like one of those people just has to make their presence known everywhere they go is a like a kind of like a means of domination and she came up to our table and with her sconce in hand and started commenting on Donnell's t-shirt it was like a total control t-shirt and she was like oh my goodness that t-shirt oh it has MC Escher on it oh but I mean I was like you're gonna try to buy the t-shirt ma'am you want to just try to buy this t-shirt? You know, I was like, thank God. Bye. Um, so it's like kind of amusing, but also disturbing. I felt like she was really like using her entitlement to intimidate and, and control the environment of the place and, and her privilege to, you know, I think that she was like imposing it on people of color at, at their small business, which I, I thought was extremely gauche. It's like, take your privilege where it belongs at a fucking avocado toast place. Not here. Um, anywho, um, yeah, it was a, it was a busy social weekend despite itself. Um, We went, me, Irina and Rob went to Martoonies and we had some giant cocktails. I had a big old Manhattan and then we hot-footed it over to this place in Hayes Valley that is constantly changing owners. It used to be a Thai restaurant actually now, but that was years ago. Then it was a place called Mooka and now it's called Phonobar. And I had a decent Manhattan there, you know. Um, but I left when I, after I drank it, I had one cigarette and then left. It, it just, I like dancing. It, there was, um, it was techno and some with one Depeche Mode record thrown in. Um, it was nice. I had a good time, but I really wanted to go to bed because I'd had a very long day. But it was really good to hang out with 
with everybody and to see see Muffin and and uh, the other people. Um, there was some dude there that was just he had no balls. I mean, I don't know if that's like a fact, <laughs> but it was kind of funny. Um, he was wearing Vans, but with no socks. And he kept staring at me. I probably because I was like, maybe trying to figure out like, why are you not wearing socks with your with your sweaty little sneakers out at night at a club? You know, like, who are you trying to attract? Um, his demographic was definitely not there for him. Um, but yeah, it was it was weird. Like, he kept almost approaching me. And a couple times he looked like he was going to, you know, like when people like look like they're going to say something and like come up to you. And I was like, dude, let's let the cat out of the bag, release the elephant from the room, remove the turd from the punch bowl. You want to talk to me, but I'm out of your league. So go away. But he just wouldn't stop. He, when I went out to have a cigarette, he went out as well and then just kind of pacing back and forth a little bit and then kind of like trying to hang out it's so weird when people do that they like try to hang around you and then like they just look like they have to go to the bathroom I was like the bathroom's not outside it's inside but it was only because he was acting nervous and stuff so that was amusing to me because I was just like honey you are not my type okay I'm wearing cowboy boots and you're wearing vans with no socks so um you know if you don't know someone, footwear for me is a really good way to kind of like see if I will have sex with the person or not. So, um, yeah, if the footwear is a match, then you can go forward with the rest of the process. <laughs> um, on Tuesday, I went to a little, what I thought was a snack party, but it was actually turned out to be more of a dinner party at Tori's. And Dave's house, and uh, with myself, Tori, Dave, uh, Hannah, and Brendan. It was in honor of Hannah's birthday, like a belated birthday. A couple other people were there, showed up later. The table only had a few, didn't have enough chairs to accommodate everyone at the same time. So I, I left after I think 1.5 hours. Because it, it just people were showing up, and I was just, I was like, okay, I had my dinner, so now it's time for someone else to eat their dinner. Um, but yeah, there were lots of yummy tidbits there. Um, asparagus with grated cured egg yolk on them. Uh, I can't remember if Dave or Brendan were the ones that made it, but the men were cooking up a storm. So yeah, those men folk, they were just cooking and cooking. Um, Brendan made the asparagus, so I'm guessing that he did the egg yolk too. So I guess the way you marinate, or not, the way that you cure an egg yolk is you put a bunch of salt on it and it sucks all the moisture out of it. So then it has kind of the texture of Parmesan cheese. I was fascinated. Um, I brought, I brought some burrata. I think, it, I think the burrata was okay. Um, I should have gone to Rainbow to get the burrata, but I didn't have time. You know what I mean? But it was still it was still fairly fresh. I think it was a fresh, decent burrata, but not the best burrata I've ever had or brought anywhere. Um, I had about uh, 
three glasses of rosé and what else did I have? The asparagus were right next to me, so I was munching on them a lot, but not to the point where I had, you know, neon green pea <laughs> or anything like that. Um, I'm trying to think of what else I had. Blup, blup, blup. I guess it's been such a busy week, it's hard to say. But yeah, there were a lot of delicious foods there, um, and I just kind of smushed it all into one thing. Tended to fixate on the, the egg yolks because I was fascinated by them. Um, so yeah, it was great to see Hannah and because I, I missed her her birthday party at the fair because I was doing tarot and uh, what a lovely young lady. I mean, probably one of the prettiest girls in town, hands down. I mean, there there's a lot of pretty girls in town. Um, I feel like I know them all. <laughs> Everyone's so beautiful here. Um, so yeah, that's, that was wonderful. And then I trotted on home and then the night before on Monday, I went to the cheese club at Taylor's house and that was really, that was a gas. I mean, all these different types of cheeses, um, Tori was there, Hannah was there. So it was kind of a, you know, back to back party, um, Mac was there, Burke, of course, Kirsty and Rose came, Zeldy came. Zeldy made this really rich chocolate mousse that was like a pot de creme. I, I shared mine with Taylor because I can only have like a couple bites. It was so rich and delicious. And there were so many good cheeses. Uh, Kirsty managed to score a giant wedge, I mean, a very big wedge of um, Point Reyes, it was like the Humboldt Fog. I'm, I'm just throwing out names, but it was definitely like the Humboldt Fog, you know, with the ash streak in it. She got it for only seven bucks at Gus's. And I think that the wedge was almost four inches wide. So it was a very big wedge. Definitely not a $7 cheese, but she has a good eye for such things. And she grabbed it and bought it and um I was like yay Kirsty what a coup um I brought a goat brie and then a very mild sheep a silky mild sheep cheese it it had a very um it had it had the texture of of like a I don't know just like the smoothest not like latex or something, but something of that ilk, but you can chew it. It was so delicious. And then Chelsea brought like some marinated goat cheese that was dynamite. And I know there were so many other delicious cheeses and tidbits and rosés. I got one of my cheeses at the 24th Street Cheese Shop in Noe Valley. And it's it's great when we have a cheese club at Taylor's because you just pop in and get a cheese and it smells like Parmesan cheese in there. Like years and years of people, um, well, cutting the cheese, you know, just so much cheese being sold there. Um, and they have really good bottles too. So they have a cooler. If you like white wine and rosé like I do, you just go back in there and you find the bottle, a bottle from France 
and then you bring it to the party and it's a big hit. So yeah, that was, that was fabulous. And then me and Kirsty had a really nice walk home and then she went on to Madrone, which is a, a dance. They have a, like a real fun dance night on Monday nights and she didn't want to miss it. I was like, wow, Kirsty, you got a lot of energy. <laughs> I mean, she's quite young. So there you go. So that makes sense. I have energy too, but you know, it's more like 40 something energy. <laughs> so yeah, I was like, wow, the cheese party was the big, my big party for me. So yeah, that's, that's a lot of, of action. Um, I can't remember which day it was Thursday or Friday. My friends Megan and Justin came into town from Michigan. They have lived in Grand Rapids, Michigan for some years now. And now they have a little boy named Hank. And it was so good to see them. We went and hiked in Land's End. And it was off the chain. I mean, it, it was the perfect day for hiking because it wasn't too hot. It was kind of overcast. And it was just so great catching up with them. We were talking about film noir. And one of our favorite, we found out that we both love the same film noir, or noir, whatever, <laughs> film noir, um, and it's called Scarlet Street, and it's about this this dumpy little man who's like besotted with this beautiful starlet, and, well, not really a starlet, more like a wannabe starlet, but... Um, he he works out a plan where they are kind of involved closely with each other. I don't want to give away the plot, but it's so good. And I believe the star of that is Edward G. Robinson. It's a wonderful movie, and I've seen it like three times this year. Um, you can like watch it on Hoopla or Canopy. So yeah, we were talking about all of Robinson's films that he starred in and how great they were. And then we went to Cha 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 and I gorged myself on chicken wings. And then I went and painted my bathroom some more polka dots on it. So I've been painting the polka dots a lot in the bathroom and it looks really good. Um, kind of takes a long time and I like that. Um, been listening to audiobooks. There's a new... Patricia Highsmith compilation out and um, it's delightful. It's read by um, was it Bronson Pinchot, the uh, the guy who played Balky on Perfect Strangers. Um, but it's so good. So it starts out with Strangers on a Train. Patricia Highsmith is probably one of my favorite modern, like, um, you know, kind of like mid-century novelists um so yeah it's been a really full week I went to a the pickings were kind of slim but you know in my job you still got to get out there and pick and find stuff um and there wasn't very much to find but you're you're looking just as hard you know what I mean so it's still you're still expending a lot of energy even if you don't have as much to haul home and I looked on the Craigslist and noticed there was a, a yard sale in my neighborhood. So I went on Saturday and it was, it looked like it was going to be a good one. There were a lot of 
Victorian and, you know, items from different periods, vintage clothing. There was a big old Rubbermaid box full of kind of ratty Victorian bonnets, I would say from the 1870s, mixed in with some looks from the 1930s, which is my favorite 20th century decade. Um, so I was kind of sorting them out and then there were some dresses and whatnot and the lady wanted $300 for everything. And I said, uh, 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 no, 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 I'm only spending a hundred dollars here. I've got a lot more shopping to do throughout the week. I, I can't, you know, shoot my budget here. And I was calculating all the costs of my time that it would take to fix everything so I put the hats back and I got some a couple really beautiful 30s dresses instead some bondage gear and two hoop skirts for $75 so I thought I ended up making out really well um, but it turns out the reason why the lady had the stuff is she had been a historical interpreter for the Dickens Fair and Wren Fair, that sort of thing. So these are kind of the leftovers. And she also sold vintage at the Vintage Expo. So some of the things still had their prices on them. But I was like, honey, you've had these for years and you've been trying to sell them yourself and now I'm buying them and going to try to sell them. So let's keep in mind, you know, I'm creating the context here wherein the item will be sold. But, you know, you, you don't tell somebody that at a yard sale, but that's what I was thinking. Um, but there were a lot of uh, people there in the beginning that were there to hang out with her at the garage sale or, or the yard sale with her and her husband. And they were all really nice, but I stayed just so I could listen to their conversations. Um, they were not quite baby boomers. They were probably, again, in their 50s. Um, but all of them had, had, uh, been, they were talking about the interworkings of, of kind of like the, the politics of the Dickens fair. And I was not moving until I heard the story because I love going to Dickens fair. <laughs> I was like, tell me more. Um, so here's the tea on that. Um, basically uh, several of them were not allowed to to uh, be one of the interpreters at the Dickens Fair this next year coming up. So Dickens Fair twenty nineteen, they weren't they were they were told that there there were too many people, and that they wouldn't be able to be one of the interpreters. And one lady was really disappointed, of course, because she'd been doing it for you know since the beginning. Well, here's the thing, hon. Let new people come in. It's really important to keep it alive because it is about a spectacle. It is a a living theater production, that, which I really like to see. You can see all the, the Dickens characters. And, you know, we only need one Martin Cheselwit. Okay? And... It's time, you know, it's like you, it re when you go to the Dickens Fair, it represents all different, you know, stations of life. 
and classes during that were you know prevalent in Dickensian England and so you know I I kind of you know when they were talking I was like oh I recognize you from the last Dickens fair but I wasn't going to say anything I was just pretending to like look at something while I was listening I was like oh I recognize these old biddies from there and and they are you know heavily corseted and you know wearing a ton of finery which is great it's a great spectacle but then it's it's kind of like they're the only ones that get to do it so then by default by playing this role of a very well-fed well-heeled Dickensian Londoners year after year you're actually excluding other people you're actually excluding people from giving them the chance to to play one of the better off sorts which is kind of amusing huh because through the costume and through the context of the role they're playing and the fact that they're always the ones playing the role they're not giving people chances to have to move up in society even though if it's a pretend society so I was really fascinated by it they themselves were bummed and were consoling each other and licking each other's wounds um but I'm, but I'm like, if you're really passionate about the Dickens Fair, let other people in and give them a chance to bring something to the table and breathe new life into the story. You know, um, Dickens, Dickens tales are, are well loved the world over. Um, let's not just focus on, you know, one, one particular ilk, you know, um, but I could see that they, you know, it was a part of their lifestyle that they were possibly aging out of a little bit. And and that's hard, you know. Um, and plus the Dickens Fair, the little enclaves and the little shops, they're, they're only so big. So they can only accommodate a certain amount of people in, in the rooms and that sort of thing. Such is the way of, of historical interpretation. I feel like something like the Ren Fair would probably be a lot more flexible um, because it's done, you know, outdoors. And so you don't have to worry about like headcount for how many interpreters there are. Um, but yeah, it was interesting. I, I, it must be hard to let go of that once you've been doing that for so long. You know, the things that fascinate me probably bore a lot of other people, but I was fascinated. I, I didn't leave the yard sale until after I um, had heard the whole story. And then they were saying one of their friends had taken a break for a year and then wasn't allowed back in to to interpret. And I was like, well, you know, there's, there's always someone vying for that position, you know. Um, no one, you know, no one in the group could have played Little Dorrit, let's put it that way. Um, so yeah, last night I had so many crazy dreams. Um, but one of the dreams I had was about a wasp that kept morphing into a much larger bug. And it was pursuing me from room to room in my house. And I was in the dream wanting to try and get some cheese for myself out of the fridge but I couldn't get to it because this freaking wasp 
was following me and at a certain point it started turning purple and green and its wings got really big they just kind of you could watch the wings just like grow big kind of like dragonfly wings and its stinger was very long and curved like a like a claw oh my god it was so gruesome and then it had these big eyes like marbles that were this like you know like a sheep's eye blue and um oh my god oh my god I took a pillow and I whacked it and then I let go of the pillow and it was laying down in a corner in the other room and it was making the most awful noise it was like (laughs) I was like oh my god I woke myself up from that dream. I just, I couldn't bear, even though the, the wasp creature was so grotesque, I couldn't hear, bear to hear the sounds of its suffering and to know that I had caused that kind of, you know, I was like, get up, (laughs) shake it off. But man, that was, oof. I'm glad that I got the best of the bug though. upon reflection because that thing I think in you know with dreams like I don't think I would have let it sting me but I feel like it would have just gotten more and more gruesome so it's kind of a night kind of like a nightmare but not quite because I had a handle on it in the dream anyway I hope you guys don't run into any bugs like that I hope you all have a good week thank you for listening have a great day bye-bye